My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. Today is day 15. We're reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Genesis 27 and 28, Job 17 and 18, Proverbs 3, verse 1 through 5. Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skin. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, whom touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate, and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed." After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. 
Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept out loud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heavens above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The day of mourning for my father is near. Then I will kill my brother, Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram to the house of your mother's father Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Badan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Badan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Haram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Nebioth, and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reached to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you your descendants in the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I am not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Job 17. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. Give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? You have closed their minds to understanding. Therefore, you will not let them triumph. If anyone denounces their friends for reward, the eyes of their children will fail. God has made me a byword to everyone. A man in whose face people spit. My eyes have grown dim with grief. My whole frame is but a shadow. The upright are appalled at this. The innocent are aroused against the ungodly. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways, and those with clean hands will grow stronger. But come on, all of you, try again. I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed. My plans are shattered. Yet the desire of my heart, turn night into day. In the face of the darkness, light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to the worm, my mother, or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? Then Bildah the Shuite replied, when will you end these speeches? Be sensible, and then we can talk. Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself to pieces in your anger, is the earth to be abandoned for your sake? Or must the rocks be moved from their place? The lamp of a wicked man is snuffed out. The flame of his fire stops burning. The light in his tent becomes dark. The lamp beside him goes out. The vigor of his step is weakened. His own schemes throw him down. His feet thrust him into net. He wanders into its mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel, and a snare holds him fast. A noose is hidden for him on the ground. A trap lies in his path. Terrors startle him on every side, and a dog his every step. Calamity is hungry for him. Disaster is ready for him when he falls. It eats away parts of his skin. Death's firstborn devours his limbs. He is torn from the security of his tent and marched off to the king of terrors. Fire resides in his tent. Burning sulfur is scattered over his dwelling. His roots dry up below and his branches wither above. The memory of his, him perishes from the earth. He has no name in the land. He is driven from light into the realm of darkness and is banished from the word, world. He has no offspring or descendants among his people, no survivor where once he lived. People of the West are appalled at his fate. Those of the East are seized with horror. Surely such is the dwelling of an evil man. Such is the place of one who does not know God. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, this is the story of desire and the younger son, Jacob, deceiving Esau and Isaac for the birthright and the blessing with the help of his mother, Rebecca. Ah, another telenova soap opera. Here it is. This is tricky for me because on one hand, God told her that Jacob would be chosen, but there is no mention of her telling this to Isaac, her one flesh partner. Maybe she did and he wasn't having it. Maybe she didn't for who knows what reason, but it is. it still feels icky to read that a mother would help her son trick her husband and other son out of their traditional and expected rite of passage without like, I don't know, communication. I don't know. It seems like we're missing parts of the story, but at the same time, we're not. And so we have to focus on the parts that are shared and what that is telling us. So we're reading strife, grief, grudges, vengeance, seizing blessings and receiving blessings is what this passage is all about. The actions seem to be focused on, I desire to take, 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 take um, a blessing and not the desire to give or be a blessing. There's no evidence of seeking to bless others or to take the the blessing, to do something with it. Um, So there's taking away and trying to take back. So just take. That's what I would title and think I am titling this section. Our God is a giver, a producer, who asks us and empowers us to reproduce and reflect him. So why do we race to the lowest common denominator like all the time? Not not all the time, but quite frequently in all these biblical narratives. This behavior of chasing and taking the profit and the outcome that we want for ourselves because we feel we need it, we deserve it, we earned it, or whatnot. I want to be mad at Rebecca and Jacob, and I want to have empathy for Esau and Isaac. Yet we know Jacob's decision comes back to haunt him, as Laban, his father-in-law, will soon read, deceives him, and the beat goes on and on and on. Also note, as Father Mike Schmitz points out, that as is the case with circumcision, Isaac cannot undo the blessing after he gave it, right? Because it's not like you can become uncircumcised, right? So it's it's one of those things that it's hard to imagine, you know, that you can't. And I, I, I read a whole bunch of stuff about this, and I still, like, sit with the tension of this. But I can't help but wonder if Isaac could have called on God to give Esau more. Um, because even, like, when— you know, Rebecca couldn't conceive. Isaac called on the Lord. When Rebecca had questions about her pregnancy, she called on the Lord. I don't feel a lot of like calling on the Lord in this situation. You'll notice like there's a total absence of that. But this does not mean, um, you know, all this complication doesn't mean that God rejects the family or the person. So, but I can't help but wonder about this. So learning about Esau's maturity later is really going to be telling in a future story. So we won't entirely give up on Esau yet. So now let's talk about Jacob's dream. Dr. Tim Mackey qualifies this unique type of biblical literature as apocalyptic, but this doesn't mean it's end of the world stuff. It means apocalyptic uh, biblical literature is all about revealing or uncovering something. Sometimes it's referred to as a city that is vulnerable to destruction, but it's focused on what's being revealed or uncovered. So an apocalyptic piece of biblical literature is where God reveals something true about nature from his perspective of the world. Remember when Adam fell asleep and God revealed who Eve would be. And later we'll read about Daniel and Paul and other apocalyptic pieces of biblical literature, which are so cool because we learn something special about who God is and how he sees it and how it's how it's real. I think sometimes in our culture, 
you know, we focus on the visible world and then we appreciate imagination. But the Bible is really talking about what's visible and invisible as both true. And imagination is something totally separate, which is cool and it's a part of creativity. But it's, you know, reality is actually what is visible and not visible to us. So that's pretty cool. So the point is, being invisible and being imaginative or imagined are two different things. So God is revealing himself to Jacob in this dream, the grandson of Abraham. He's coming close and being personal. God is reiterating his promise and intent to carry it through to completion. He didn't just have a relationship with Abraham and leave all the future descendants to sort it out and fend for themselves. Jeremy McCandless describes this dream with the angels running up and down the stairs as maybe a re- revelation, an illustration of the back and forth relationship between heaven and, and, and earth. Earth, the back and forth communication, that we're not completely alienated and dislocated after the Garden of Eden. There's this proximity and closeness even still. It is also a testament to the fact that we don't know what we don't know and that God's ways are not all entirely known to us. But things like apocalyptic biblical literature give us glimpses into the the connection of the visible and, the, and invisible and uh, realms that we don't have comprehension of. One last interesting thing to know, David Gusick from Enduring Word Commentary points out how in Genesis 28, 13 to 15, God's promise to Jacob was that he, God, as the I am, will give to him and will be with him and not leave him. But Jacob's vows back to God was about him claiming God will be with him, keeping him in the ways that he's going, giving him bread and clothes to restore him to his father's house. So I don't know if you see this. Uh, contrast here, but God's like, I'm here for you. And Jacob's like, yes, that's right. You're here for me instead of, yes, God, I'm here for you. And I want to follow you and grow, grow and give and be generous. That's just not what's happening. So it's the beginning. It's baby faith in Jacob, perhaps. It's the type where he and maybe we run away and we're scared about our future and our hearts and our heads are consumed with us with this fear for now. But God is giving. He's so generous. He's offering peace and promise of provision and progeny as we move into this relationship. And maybe, just maybe, we can move back to the place where we can focus on being the blessing, on ruling, filling, subduing, work as worship, generously giving and reflecting his image and bearing his name. And that's really the cry and the call of, of, of my heart because God is the provider, healer, protector, but that we will rest in that place and then be ready to give and live into our full flourishing potential. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.